0: Thank you for joining me here at Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I'll be speaking with expert educators about how to tackle some of the most challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. I bring you classroom and administrative experience, instruction at the university level, teacher preparation, and professional development. To be clear, I love education. Shannon Burke is my guest this week. Shannon is the CEO and founder of Engage to Learn. She's an industry leader in training and coaching, learning environment design. Frankly, she's dedicated her life to accelerating student learning. Shannon, welcome. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me, Wendy. I wanted to speak with you about this critical issue of creating autonomy for learners. What is that about?
1: well in today's environment Wendy that might be the most important topic we could discuss
0: agreed <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that it's been um, really exposed during covid just how much learners really need autonomy and how little they've learned it from our from our current system and so just to define it I guess maybe yes. would be important and that is you know creating an environment where learners, can make choices and kind of guide their own learning process and in a way that making that kind of an individualized piece so that they're not waiting on direction from someone um, to get things done.
0: Are there some best practices you can recommend that would help a teacher put into place some norms that would help learners establish some, some practices related to autonomy?
1: Absolutely Wendy so I think maybe the first one is well first first teachers have to have a little bit of a mind shift about that environment and what they want for learners and I think I think we all like as parents we all like want our you know our kids to learn autonomy because we want them to you know move out of the basement or whatever <laughs> be able to you know operate on their own and really that can start very young in schools and I think once teachers, Establish some of these best practices, they see the value of having learners, you know, kind of guide their own learning. So one of the first things is allowing students to set goals for their learning and and goal setting kind of Initiates the process of autonomy, because it says you, you can think about and decide what you want to accomplish during this, whatever it is, lesson, unit, day, week, month. And I think that's, that's the first best practice. And then it's a a matter of setting up really typical best practices that we would say are the key to great tier one differentiated instruction, such as small group instruction and differentiated um, resources and options for learners and um, formative feedback that allows them, you know, coaches them and guides them along the way as they're going through this process. So I think most of those best practices are things that people would think of as just research-based best practices starting with the goal setting.
0: Are we thinking about goal setting in terms of learning objectives? Should should a student's goal always reflect the instructional objective? It should
1: at least reflect that. So I think one of the things that is interesting is we have a, you know, we have a standards-based system. So and if you look at the standards of pretty much any state including the Common Core and other states, what you see is this shift and it happened you know a couple decades ago where we shifted from the standards being about teaching to the standards being about learning and so the standards became you know the learner will rather than the teacher will and but we haven't shifted that over to give possession of that to learners so they know they get tested they know they have an objective but usually that's all selected you know by a teacher uh, so, the idea of saying to learners, here are the standards you're expected to master, and let's, you know, you can set goals on these standards for mastery. That is part of it. Obviously, it, it is wonderful when learners can also set goals on other things like, you know, time management, self-awareness, you know, life-ready type skills. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. But at least... They, you know, it'd be ideal if they could set goals on there on the standards that they're expected to master.
0: Thank you for making that a minimum. <laughs> your, your answer, noting that it should be that that should be the least, is is uh, is great because we do want students to go beyond, and those are standards. That's not the upper upper limit. It's not the peak, and it's perfect to think about building on top of those there are certainly life skills study skills uh, personal disciplines that uh, will take students far in their academics and in their professional lives and it's great to think about supporting them in achieving those let's talk about uh, some specific goals that we might think about for the tiered grade levels that teachers are looking for sometimes people feel like a conversation like the one we're having doesn't apply in their in their level can we talk about early education can we talk about middle school can we talk about high school with some specifics?
1: Absolutely and I I love you know that you're mentioning this because that's we hear that a lot in terms of well you know they're too young to set goals for themselves mm-hmm. at, at certain ages. And we have absolutely seen 4-year-olds, you know, pre-K4, pre-K3 even be able to set goals for themselves for sure once they understand the idea and imagine obviously the power of what that means in life, like you mentioned, you know, if they're, if they're learning at that young. So the types of goals, actually, if we make the standards kind of student friendly, if you will, then any, any age can set goals on those standards that are applicable to their, you know, their grade levels. And then additionally, it can be, you know, the, the, the life ready skills. We've actually done this process where we've taken life ready skills and kind of scaffolded them over, you know, what does that look like in kindergarten? What does that look like? You know, even, even growth mindset or autonomy or, um, you know, the idea of communication or collaboration with others, you know, that that looks different, right? At kindergarten, third grade, fifth grade, eighth grade, and when you're graduating from high school. But this idea of, I, I don't know, you, you've probably seen these, Wendy, you've probably seen people will develop these graduate profiles. Yes. Okay, so love the concept. We We've kind of started talking about it or not, kind of, we've been talking about it for almost 10 years now as a learner profile, because it's not just something for for seniors or it's that happens in high school. These are skills that, you know, learners can start to acquire and set goals on even when they're very young. And so thinking of it as a learner profile and what are the skills outside of the content, outside of the, you know, the curriculum that are really these skills that really make a difference. And they've been called so many things over time, you know, soft skills and key competencies and, you know, the four Cs and all these different things, but it's just these things that we need for life to thrive. Um, this is actually something that in my opinion and with folks that I that I work with and talk to, you know, this may be one of the true um, issues for equity, is are we allowing and inviting every learner, regardless of age and any other factor, into the process of setting goals on these types of skills and being able to spend
0: time in school acquiring these types of skills, which we know are so important for life. Shannon, you mentioned equity and in honoring the diversity that we're seeing in classrooms, how do we involve the family in in helping students to establish goals or to, to find agency for themselves?
1: That is such an important consideration Wendy I think in this process and and of course school leaders and teachers are amazing at finding ways to involve families and one thing that has been really interesting over this past you know year or so is that I'm hearing people are saying that they're more connected to their families than ever before which is interesting you know in this time there's different ways now of connecting with families right well
0: we've been virtually in their homes for years right right. so I
1: heard a superintendent talking about this and I you know on a on a Um, on a panel and he was just saying yeah we're looking into their homes and and you know we're seeing the life that they live and so the empathy and the understanding and the connection is is there more than ever and people are saying you know hey i don't have to find a babysitter to go up to the school for a math night you know or whatever now if it's virtual for me then i can still be making dinner and you know juggling all these things so i think there's more ways of engaging families just from a logistical standpoint and from a goal setting standpoint, parents love um, being provided tools to help their learners set goals. That's one of the things they can do. They may not be able to do the math problem um, with them, and you know, or whatever that whatever the homework piece is. But that piece of helping them set goals, and then that being something that becomes, you know, a. a part of the family dynamic and protocol is 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 really powerful so especially on those life ready skills so we actually have um, provided this self or perception assessment where a parent will you know essentially do an assessment of the learner on these different types of skills and then help them set goals on those skills and then if you provide you know a rubric or something that shows like what the progress or growth over time can look like. And that can become something that the families work on together, parents or other, you know, whoever else is involved um, in in terms of what the family dynamic is and the family means. That can be such a powerful piece to helping the learner with school, helping the learner develop autonomy, agency, and then actually impacting, you know, the family dynamic in a positive way as well. So I get excited about that. (laughs)
0: I like the idea of a perception assessment because a family may be absolutely in line with the teacher and with the student in thinking about what the end goal is. But measuring the steps and noting the progress can be difficult. Having a tool that supports that and allows the parent to note the progress, to to recognize it is significant. Shannon, I think you have a story related to, to sure. this with family involvement. I'd love to hear
1: it if you chair. share. Absolutely. So I, you know, I, I think that one thing I'll say is there's there are families that are on a spectrum when it comes to student autonomy. Um, you have, you know, some families that are very involved and very engaged and, and potentially even at times doing the work for their- We hear
0: stories like that, don't we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> all the way to families that, you know, don't have the opportunity because maybe they're, you know, they're working all the time, you know, who knows what, but don't have the opportunity to be involved at all. And so it's, it's, you know, in that spectrum, student autonomy and agency are really important. So the story is uh, that we heard from a teacher that we were working with that she heard from a mom is about this learner, second grader, little girl, so seven, eight years old. And it, the story starts out sad. So the mom found out she had cancer Mm -hmm. and she came home to tell her her kids and she told the teacher that she was most worried about her second grader because she had two older um, children that she felt would be able to handle the news um, you know, fairly well, but she was worried about the second grader who was somewhat quiet and, and, and maybe not um, obviously just old enough maybe to understand and process this. Well, <clears throat> this little girl had been in a classroom where she had been learning about goal setting and how to make a plan for, for her own learning and so when the mom told the, told the news, she said that the second grader said, just a minute, let me go to my room. She came back with paper, pencil, folder and she said, okay, let's set a goal about this. Mm-hmm. And so that she started writing a goal. And then she said, okay, what do we already know? And what do we still need to know? And who are our resources that we can, that we can you know, go to? Wow. And when I tell the story, I get teary eyed because this little girl had a process that she could use to process her life. Even the most difficult challenges, she had a process. And what that brings for people, even youngster, you know, young, young learners is hope. Because if you have a process to fall back on that you can, you know, that you can feel some autonomy and some agency over your life, even when it, when it deals you some hard blows, then obviously that leads to resilience and, and these other pieces. So the mom was so thankful and the teacher obviously was also thankful and didn't even know that, you know, the, that the, this little girl had really processed all of that and, you know, and, and, and possessed it like she did to be able to apply it in her life. But I just feel like it's so important that we're thinking about those things at all times so that our learners can, you know, they can truly thrive in life regardless of what life throws at them.
0: That example is a perfect reminder that we're not preparing students to take a test or to earn a diploma. We're preparing them to be independent, successful, resilient, resourceful human beings. And uh, the ability to apply that strategy to take care of her own family uh, is a student' success story already, more priceless than a, than a degree. you you and your team at Engage to Learn are actively providing tools and resources to help schools, districts, families in this area and others. If I were to invite a friend to explore the Engage to Learn website, where where would you suggest I I point them to to begin to explore? Well, start with our mission and our
1: culture and our beliefs. Yes. (laughs) Because I think if, if, someone is, is looking at who we are and feels like, oh, I'm aligned to that, then um, then that, that's a great place to start. And, um, you know, those beliefs are really important to the way that we approach what we do. And so start there. And then, um, you know, we are, we are very much wanting to and, and are helping. I think we've worked with 43 districts this past year. and we're you know very much wanting to be a support to any any district that is trying to to move in this direction and is, has a vision for education, for public education um, like we do. And so that, that would be a great place to start. Perfect.
0: Shannon, thank you for being my guest today. Shannon Burke is the CEO and founder of Engage to Learn. Listeners, thank you for joining both of us. Check out the links accompanying this podcast so you can dive deeper into the topics that Shannon and I have discussed or visit teachingchannel.com podcast. Don't miss out on an episode. Make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast app you're using. And hey, why not leave a rating or a review? You can find Teaching Channel on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Let us know what you thought about this episode. I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.